right, so we're back with you again this week. Uh, just Nick and I at the moment. Well, we might have somebody pop in later. We'll see. And uh, we're going to talk about first-time home buyers because a lot of people out there need to know how to buy houses. And Nick is pretty much a professional buying houses. So we're going to we're going to get a whole lot of information in this episode. I, I'm going to start out by saying I am not drinking Michigan beer tonight. I'm drinking Reds. I know Nick uh, has a very popular beer. I do. I, I have the champagne of beers. I have a, a Miller High Life. Uh, it's been sitting around for a while for a special occasion. Uh, gold foil top. I was, I was real excited to, to pop this one. So um, took that and got me a fancy glass to pour it in. So we're going we're gonna to be drinking pretty good tonight. Good deal. Looks like TJ's going to join us here, Nick. And I know TJ's looking to buy a house, so this is going to be right up his alley. Oh, that's perfect. Let's see. I, uh, let's see. I hope everybody that's been watching has been uh, been enjoying these episodes. Um, let's see. With, with Miller High Life being the champagne of beers, I want you people to be the champagne of people. So we're going to start out with it tonight while TJ loads up. I want you to like, subscribe, share this, right? This is my favorite subject, right? Real estate in general. It was so hard to pick, you know, are we going to do rentals? Are we going to do whatever? Nick uh, Watkins. Yeah, what's up? DJ. Oh, hey, sorry. Just say, I wanted to bring it to, uh, I wanted to bring it to, you know, first-time home buyers. I, you know, I remember being a first-time home buyer before I was an investor. So I wanted to come start, start right at the beginning. Uh, you know, David owns a house. Uh, you know, Mike has owned a house, you know, when, when he was on with us. Um, let say, there we go. Now we got a face. Let's say, and uh, so, all right. Well, you know, as, as we said, topic is first time home buying. Um, I think that the, you know, there's no order that we're going to kind of go in for, for what's most important, I guess, but we're going to try to keep things in order for what you should do. Uh, you know, honestly, I think getting your finances in order is probably the number one thing, right? David, um, we, we built this podcast or this, uh, you know, movie or excuse me, um, channel off of, uh, off of, uh, finances and, and getting yours correct. So, uh, I think, I think when you think about your, your paycheck, you should, uh, you should figure out what 30% of your take home is. Um, and that's about what you should budget for, for, uh, for a home. So an example, right? If you, if you bring home $700 a week, I usually times that, um, by, uh, 30%. So 0.3. And, you know, I bring you $210 and then I times it by 4.25, uh, you know, cause there's, there's basically that many weeks, um, you know, every month or whatever. So some, some you'll have four or some you'll have your fifth, giving you a budget of about $892 and 50 cents. So, um, right. We're going to, we're going to try to find a house that, that fits that budget. So. Now let me ask you something, Nick. Yeah. When we're looking at that budget for your house, and I'm probably jumping ahead, but I'm going to ask anyways. Yep. Are we talking just the house payment, or are we talking extra things that go into this? So, you know, 
honestly, if you're looking at a condo, right? I, so I, I, I try to base, I try to base it on everything, all included, right? So if you're looking at a condo and your HOA fees are, are 200 bucks or whatever they are, you know, we try to take that, we try to take that. And, uh, you know, so now you, to purchase the house, you have 200 less a month to, to finance. Um, you know, when, and so, you know, I gave the example of 700 in income. Now, if you're a single person, um, right, that's, that's based off of yours only. If you are just dating and talking about doing it, right, I, I still, it's, you, you base things off of you. Nobody ever thinks that a relationship's going to end, nothing, you know, nobody ever thinks of, of the worst case. I'm a worst case scenario kind of guy, right? Um, honestly, we bought our first house with, you know, I was married or getting married and we still based it off of just the 30% the of my income. So my wife's was wide open. I didn't know if we were going to have, you know, kids kind of right away or what, you know, if she was going to stay at home. Honestly. But if you do have two incomes, right? So, and you're both making, let's say 700, right? You'll take that, that $892 and be able to times it by two. Um, you know, so you'll have 1784, let's say to, you know, or 1750 bucks to spend. So really get your, get your finances looked at. Don't spend more than 30% in, in, uh, in housing and you'll, you'll be able to still invest in all the other things to help you get to retirement faster. Um, and that, you know, honestly, I like to tell everybody, if you're not looking to be an investor, you know, spend, spend that in 15 years, right? I tell people to get that house paid off. Me being an investor, I leverage things. We'll talk about that in another episode. I'm going to try hard not to get off topic here with, uh, with investing. It's just so hard, but um, you know, I, I do 30 year loans, right? It just I, longer to, I, I make more money, but honestly do a 15 year if you possibly can, but if you want and, and you want to still budget for 30 years, I'm completely fine with that. So um, once you, once you know your number and what you can spend, is the time that we go is the fun part, right? Everybody, well, not everybody. I love to look at houses. So finding a house, right? Um, and in finding a house, we have so many different things you can do. Um, drive around an area that you like, right? So we live, you know, David's Byron Center. I know when we were looking at houses, we were looking at Byron Center, Granville, Jenison, kind of these areas, good school districts, things like that. Um, so we drove and when you, you know, when you do that, you can, you can call the agent that has their, their sign in the front yard, you know, for house for sale. Um, if you know an agent or you have friends that have bought a house, right, get a hold of them, see what their agent did for them, see if they liked them, you know, use them. That agent's going to do multiple things for you, right? They'll probably set you up with a portal. Um, you give them your email and anything that hits the, the MLS, the multiple listing services, um, you know, it's going to come to your email and, and you'll have, you'll have access to see what's out there kind of, and you'll give them a price range of what you want to spend. Um, and then, you know, so the agents, agents will hook, will hook you up with that. Uh, I do, I always did things, I guess myself the hard way <laughs> because, um, but you know, there's a, there's always local websites for your area. So we have a GRAR, right? G-R-A-R.com. And, uh, you know, I, I would just go on there and I can 
put in what school district I want, put in how many bedrooms, put in how many bathrooms. Um, and it will, you know, it'll pretty much do all the same thing that this portal is going to give you, except for I just, I'm looking at it directly kind of in the eyes I'm used to. Um, or, you know, realtors hate it, but I love it. Zillow, right? Zillow has a, a great function. You can click, you know, multiple dots in a certain area. You know, if you want to stay east of a street, you know, or west of a street or north or south of a certain, I mean, you can put so many dots out there and be in a specific area. It'll tell you every house that's for sale. Um, the problem with Zillow is sometimes houses aren't for sale and people don't mark them as sold. And so, you know, you'll go to contact a realtor and they'll be like, sorry, it's not there. But I like the fact that it can narrow it down to exactly what you want without having to describe to somebody else, you know, what, you, what you, you're thinking in your mind. So, um, you say, David, any ideas for uh, finding a house, I guess? Well, I mean, you know, I... I'm always traditional. I use a realtor. Um, when we started looking for a house for my daughter, I called up a guy I used to coach with. His name's Scotty. Uh, shameless plug for Scotty. Scotty Grindelman from Bella Bay Realty. If you need a realtor, he's great. Uh, we went and sat down with him and he said, you know, I need to know exactly what you're looking for, but not only do I need to know what you're looking for, I need to know what your absolutes are. If you tell me that you absolutely have to have this, then those are the only things we're going to look at. But you have to realize when you're looking at absolutes, that's going to knock out a ton of houses, depending on what that absolute is. If, if you're saying, I only want a house for the garage, that's going to knock out a certain number of houses. If you then add another caveat, I only want houses with a garage and central air, that's going to knock you out a whole bunch more houses. So you have to realize, okay, some things you have to have, some things are nice to have. And for me, having somebody to help navigate that so I don't have to spend as much time looking at that, that's, that's a great thing for me because, you know, we've talked about it a lot of times on these, time is money. Nick loves looking at houses. I do not love looking at houses. So I want it quick and dirty and doing the least amount of work as possible. Whereas Nick, you know, this goes back to the, what are you willing to do for a dollar? I will scan a receipt for three cents. Nick will throw the receipt away. Yeah. I'm not looking at 18 houses. Nick will look at 35. Oh yeah. Let's say, you know, and, and you know, be, being a first time, it's so hard from an investor standpoint. Right. So I try to, I try to beg and plead to people like, don't be so picky because things can change, right? If you're not looking to move, you're not looking to move a wall, but you hate the flooring, you hate the paint, right? Like it's so hard. I, I, I can't deal with first time home buyer people. Um, I, I get it with tenants sometime of like, Oh, I, I want different color. And I'm like, we can talk about that later. Does the function work? Does this work? Like I am a, I am a, Hey, it has a bathroom. It has a place to lay your head. I'm that kind of, you know, so it's so hard to get away from that you know, because I can see that everything can change, you know? So when you're looking at houses, it doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, if you're looking at the top range of your house and it's not everything that you want for flooring and color, right? You need to lower your budget so you can have that $50 extra to paint the, the wall. Even if you're not going to paint it, be able to afford to have somebody do this work. I mean, right. The more you give in the beginning, the more you'll get later, right? I mean, if it doesn't have the deck you want, but you're paying dirt cheap, I mean, you know, it, you can save to have all this stuff. So, um, 
you know, that's, that's my, my tip. Number one is try your hardest to get over colors and get over flooring. Cause any, all that stuff can change. Right. Um, it's just time. And, you know, so you can always honestly in a hot, in a, in a hot market like this, it's harder to ask for, for those types of, uh, give backs. Right. But you can, like, I know when, when the market was bad, when we bought our first house, they're like, Oh, you can ask for a flooring allowance. And I'm like, a what? And they're like, well, if you hate this flooring, you know, just tell the seller you want an extra two grand to, to do all the flooring. So that way, before you move in, you go to Lowe's, have it all done up, but the, the seller paid you two grand to do it. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to ask for that. You know, So, um, you know, if you, if you live in a rural area, right, you can probably get away with that. If you're in a market, like, you know, in the city and things like that. I mean, we, we still have a hot market and people, you know, houses are selling like crazy. So understand, you know, what you want. So if you have a family of, uh, of five and you want all your kids to have separate bedrooms, right? I mean, there you go. So you, you're going to need four bedrooms, right? One for each kid and then one for mom and dad. So four, don't, I, I, I agree that that's what you want. Go for it, but don't be picky on, you know, everything specific when it comes to, you know, Oh, Hey, this one, this one doesn't have carpet. It has hardwood, you know, again, that can all be changed. So, um, say next is right. So we, we, we found a place that we like, you know, with a realtor, anything like that, we, we drove, we did, we did whatever. The next big thing is, uh, funding it, right? So you have to, you have to get money to buy this place. Number one, I always, I mean, I've never, or I have bought a, pl a place with cash cause it was so cheap, but <laughs> you know, I mean, you're not going to, there's a huge chance. 99% of people aren't going to pay cash for a house. Um, you know, but if you can, great. I love it. It's free financing. You know, you're done with it. Life's good. But, um, I always suggest go to, you know, call a local credit union. Honestly, credit unions are going to have really good rates. Um, they keep, you know, sometimes they can keep them in house and they don't have to get them sold and things like that. Uh, I have a local credit union here that, you know, they have, they always have, they guarantee the best rate, honestly. Um, and they have a credit card <laughs> because we're finance people. They have a credit card that you can open up and you, you could not pay a mortgage. I want everybody to know this. You cannot pay a mortgage with a credit card. Okay. Unless that specific bank owns it, which, you know, this, this credit union, they own the credit card. They own your mortgage. You can swipe your credit card. You can get your bonus points for your mortgage payment. You know, so you can, you can credit card hack. And I'm so jealous that, you know, you could do that. It's, it's great to me. Um, so the next, you know, uh, call a mortgage broker. Uh, a broker is, is somebody that will shop it out to a bunch of different places, right? To find you the best rate. You're going to pay a little fee for them to, to shop it out but they're going to guarantee, I mean, their job is to guarantee that you get this, the best that you could possibly get. Um, I've, I really, I use brokers um, because when I, when I bought my first house, this guy was like, Hey, this is how you're going to do it. Got me a really good deal. Um, got me a, a loan um, that is no longer around, but it was a, a low down payment, you know, 5% and it was a conventional. So I didn't have PMI. Um, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, but right. So I, I got this very specific loan in the middle of the city and I loved it. 
So I trusted this guy. And every time he said, hey, this is going to close, it closed. So we built a great relationship, and I kept that relationship. And um, So next, you know, is types of financing. Um, you know, we talked, I, I mentioned uh, conventional, right? And I'm going to try to not be too picky on everything. I'm just going to do generics, right? Conventional, normally you're going to put 10 to 20% down. Um, you know, so if you pay a hundred thousand dollars, your down payment is going to be 10 to $20,000. Um, you know, and so you'll, you'll have equity built into it. They're not going to hit you with, um, now FHA, you're going to, you can put as low as three and a half percent down. I love FHA. It's a great thing, um, for people that aren't, you know, the high end of the spectrum for buying, you know, they have every state has their limit on how much you can finance. Michigan's is like 300, I think 330,000, right? So anything above that, you can't get an FHA loan for. Um, but they, you know, you can put three and a half percent down, which is great. Um, on FHAs, you get what's called PMI, um, private mortgage insurance. Um, it's an insurance that they put on to basically guarantee that you're going to pay your mortgage. So, you know, they're just getting an extra hundred dollars because, you know, most time foreclosures or people that don't pay happen within the first, you know, few years. So they're just trying to get as much money as they can. Um, a lot, you know, especially with a lot of the crash that kind of happened back in the 08 and things like that, they just lost out on so much money because they didn't recoup interest or anything right away. So um, now David, I know when you were looking uh, with your, with Caitlin, um, she was, she was looking at financing. What was she going to do with financing? Do you know? So we were looking at an FHA loan for her. She would have needed about 5% down. And we found a house, we put in an offer on it, ended up backing out of that offer later for various reasons. But, you know, she, she could get into that house for basically less than $6,000. And that was fantastic for a 25 year old. I thought, you know, it was $125,000 house about, um, I, you know, when, when I looked at it and I even bought my house FHA the first time I bought a house and it, it gave us the ability to buy a house without being, having to come up with that 20% down, which is difficult these days. Now, when I bought this house, it was right before the crash. And I still, houses were not selling great right before the crash. So I, you know, I was basically, like Nick said, I was able to name my terms. You know, they paid all closing costs, ended up taking like 10, almost $10,000 off the cost of the house, plus paying the closing costs. I mean, I, I really did a great job getting in here. But within a year and a half, the value of the house dropped 20000 because the housing market crashed. These are things you have to look at, especially in this market right now, because things are so overvalued, at least where we live. You know, I'm, I'm looking at houses in areas that probably should cost 90 to 100,000 going for 150. If I wanted to sell my house right now, I could probably get 225 for it. Yeah. You know, so when you're looking at houses and, and not to get too far off tangent here, you not only are you looking at what can you afford, you, you need to look at what am I actually buying? So it's kind of my little yeah. thought. 
No, and that's, you know, and that's it. Like, I can't, like, I love my first house purchase, right? I mean, I'll, I'll talk numbers all day. Um, I paid $58,500 for it. Got a flooring allowance on it as well. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know if they paid closing. I'm pretty sure I asked for it. But, I mean, this thing was in foreclosure. It had been sitting for a while. Um, I... I got a, a specific type of a loan on it, as I said, where I put 5% down. Um, you know, so I was into the house for what, $3,200, you know, this thing was great. Um, and then, you know, it, it, but it was, it was to the point where I bought a very large house for two of us. I mean, I bought five bedrooms, two bathrooms, you know, and parts of me, you know, looking at it and okay, now it's worth, uh, right around 200,000, I think 190. Um, right. So I've, I've gotten great value out of it. I did put work into it and things like that, but in the back of my mind, it was like, man, if I would have, if I would have used my wife's income or something like that, and we would have spent, let's say, you know, 150,000 in a neighborhood that's normally 300,000, right. How much would that thing be worth today? And it's you know, like the, the amount of money, like it went up like crazy. So um, definitely know the area you know, and what you're getting into, know where the kind of the max values. I mean, there's never really a max because, you know, things always um, appreciate. That's supposed to be what happens. We've only had one housing crisis, um, you know, that, that went to an extreme. So, um, you know, again, so we have conventional, right, 10 to 20% down. Um, you're going to avoid PMI. Um, FHA, three and a half, low, low down payment. Uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac type of um, loans, you, you'll hear those words as you're like looking into these things. Um, if you're looking on the outskirts, I know David's, uh, you know, David's mom or, you know, like his family kind of where they grew up or even my family up in uh, up north, right? You can get a, a rural development loan. Um, it's more rural, right? It's, it's a rural development. So they, they want to they want to give the loan to help build up those types of areas to get to be city wise and so you'll be able to get great down payment um you know really low and the the terms for closing are are so easy um let's say i wanted to talk about some of the some of the cost i guess right so you're going to hear people talk about it so before you hop into that nick i, I do want to bring up yeah adjustable rate mortgages yeah so these were all the rage in the early 2000s. They are also known as subprime mortgages. Basically what happens is you get a term on that loan of five to seven years where they lock in their rate. It's usually very low, let's say 1%. And once that time period is up, let's say it's five years, the loan either needs to be refinanced or it goes up to a, certain amount of prime plus, you know, whatever's dictated in the terms of those loans. This is largely what led to the real estate bubble in 2008 because people were getting these loans for nothing. So they could afford, you know, Nick talked about at the beginning, where are you getting your money from? They could afford, you know, $100,000 house, but they were getting a $300,000 house because they didn't have interest to worry about. 
And when it came time to renegotiate, if it was around that time there were that bubble burst, there was no renegotiation. That's why all of these houses were foreclosed on and they lost them. So adjustable rate mortgages, they are a thing. They are coming back. They, they are. Avoid them like the plague because they are the worst possibility well, to take out money. And I say, I, 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 you know, I, I specifically didn't bring it up to you guys just because, like, that's how much I am against them. Um, especially we're in 2020. Um, I looked it up today. A 30-year mortgage rate, 3.6%. A 15-year is 2.8, something around there. Um, you know, honestly, your adjustable rate's going to be pennies. You know, so you're, you might save $30 a month by having this, but as he said, you know, we don't know where five years is. We're so low. I understand kind you know, so I being so young talking to investors, right? I mean, back, back in the day, you know, I guess David probably when, I don't know, in between you buying a house and your mom, interest rates were 17%. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it just, excuse me. It was, uh, it's so, so, so kind of like, you know, variable rates back then, man, you know, it, it was, it, honestly, it felt like a good thing because, you know, you, sometimes you get locked in for a low and then, you know, you, you'd be able to weigh out your highs and, and avoid those things. And, um, but you know, now if you're doing an adjustable rate, let's say you lock in at, I don't even care, 2.5%, right? And there's zero chances that this thing's going to go lower. I mean, really, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to give you a house interest free. I mean, if you are, you can do interest-free housing. I, I want to be, so again, my mind just runs a million miles. I love these things. Um, but Habitat for Humanity, um, if you qualify for low income, if you are, right? So if you qualify low income, you qualify for Habitat for Humanity, things like that. You can get a loan through them. They they go in, they, they, they freshen up the house or they flip it basically charge you such a cheap, cheap price on these houses and you get to pay an interest-free loan, but you have to qualify financially. Honestly, um, it's so hard to qualify people that are doing it. So I, I just don't want you guys to get your hopes up thinking, Oh, that's what I'm going to do. So, um, yeah, I say every, there are so many different specifics that you can get into everything. Right. I, I, I could talk about this topic for the next four years of my life and, uh, never grow my business. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I say we're going to go into some, some terms or some talks of, of, you know, what it's going to look like. So you bought a house, right? We, we, we found the house that we liked. We're funding the house that we like. So once you, once you find it, you're going to, you're going to try to get your funding. As you're working on your funding, right, the bank is going to reach out to you or your broker or, or whatever. They're going to reach out to you and, and they're going to say, all right, hey, um, do you want an inspection on this house, right? I, I always suggest, strongly suggest, get an inspection on the house. Unless, I mean, unless you're a, a contractor professional by trade that builds houses and know what you're looking for, you could probably do your own. Otherwise, everybody else, I, I strongly suggest it, right? Um, even contractors sometimes forget that hey you know there's a hot water heater or something so these inspectors they come in they're going to look over the house see if anything's broken um 
you know, see what types of things that you might be missing. So I, my first inspector was fantastic. He turned on every, every drain. And I was like, why are you turning, why are you turning on the sinks? And he's like, Oh, make sure that they drain, make sure there's no clog, make sure there's no this. And I was like, I would have never thought of that. Right. Um, he comes in, checks the outlets with his, uh, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, these are grounded. These aren't grounded, you know, types of things. Um, they look for termite damage. They, they look for, you know, if there's a crack in the foundation, honestly, like they, they check your roof out to see what the life on that, they give a rough estimate, you know? So, I mean, Hey, so you know how long things are going to last until they need repaired or if things are causing damage right now that need to be repaired. So you can go back to the, the owner of the house and say, Hey, no, this needs repaired right now because you know, it's hurting the house or, you know, Hey, this is the amount of life that's left and, and we're going to have to save for it very quickly. So, you know, um, average, average hot water heater, right. Every 12 years, I think, uh, you know, average roof about 20 years, roughly. Um, you know, so they'll tell you, you know, Hey, so if you go buy a house and, Oh, we put it on 10 years ago, you only have 10 years roughly until that, that has to get done unless you have wind damage or anything like that. Um, you know, so, and then you're going to get your inspection. Everything hopefully comes, comes back great. Um, the next thing the bank's going to want is what's called an appraisal. An appraisal is not, it's, it's great for you guys, but it's also, it's for the banks mostly. So the appraisal, what it does is they, they send in an appraiser. It can't be hired. It's not through the bank. So the bank or the funding people go out and they, they throw it out there and say, Hey, we need an appraisal done because they don't want any conflict of interest and people fudging numbers. So it's this random pool of people. And then, um, so that way they get a good, honest thing. So we can't have an influx of, of the market in areas. Um, sorry, I'm going to step back. Inspections will cost you about $400. So besides your, your closing costs, you're looking at about $400. Um, Closing cost includes a down payment, uh, $400 for an inspection. Go to the appraisal. Um, that'll cost you about $500. Um, what they're going to do is they're going to compare houses that have sold. So if you're looking at a three-bedroom, two-bathroom ranch, 1,700 square feet, they're going to try to find houses in your, let's call it five blocks if you're buying something in the city. Um, that's three bedrooms, two bathrooms, 1,700 square feet. And they're going to say, okay, hey, this house, this house sold for 200, this one 210, this one, you know, 250. And they're going to figure out why the $50,000 difference. Well, this one, you know, the $50,000 might be a granite countertops in the place. It might have new cabinets. It might have, uh, you know, tiled, tiled showers and things like that, where the other one, you know, is, is still kind of dated. So it needs $50,000 worth of work, let's call it. So it doesn't appraise as high. Um, you know, and once, once the appraisal comes back, you know, they're going to say, Hey, so let's say you put in an offer. Let's say you put in an offer for 200,000. The appraisal comes back at 210. Well, congrats. In theory, you've just made $10,000 by putting in, a, by getting a good deal. Now let's say you put a $200,000 offer. The appraisal comes back at $190,000. That's how much the, the appraiser tells the bank that the value of that place is worth. Well, you know, so you have multiple options at this point. 
one, you can try to negotiate. If you really like the house, you go $190,000 say, this is how much it's worth. This is how much I'll pay you. Uh, two, if the, if the seller says, nope, this is how much we want, you can, you can come up with the other $10,000, right? You can overpay for a house that isn't valued at it in, in the bank size. So you can pay that 10,000 plus your 3% close or three and a half percent closing or 20%. Um, or at this time, right, you have the opportunity to, to walk away and say, nope, you know, we, we can't negotiate with these, you know, these people, we don't want to negotiate. And so, you know, you get out of that. It does cost you money, but right now, honestly, most places are hitting appraisals, you know, pretty, pretty spot on. So, um, David, anything to add for, um, the process of, of what banks are going to expect? No, I don't. I just, I, I want people to realize, especially when they're looking at houses, don't fall in love with something. Make sure you're using your head when you're looking at these places, when you're negotiating, be willing to walk away because if you're willing to walk away, it puts you in a much more advantageous situation when you're negotiating on these houses. Um, like Nick said, if the appraisal comes in under the offer, that's probably telling you that, you know, it, this is not a house worth overpaying for. So it would have to have something fantastic for you to sit there and go, oh yeah, this is the house I have to have to pay an extra 10,000 on it over what it's worth. You wouldn't do that with a car. You don't want to do it with a house either. Yeah, I say, and it's, it's not to say, it's not to say that it won't someday get to that point. It's, it's saying that what they see right now isn't worth the value of what you have. Um, you know, it, if you absolutely love it, right, figure out a way to have it. But there's, I, I, fall, I, I fell in love with one place and that's my own fault. But honestly, ever since then, I couldn't care less about a single property that I own, right, in a, in a, in a way. Like if I, if I get it, Great. I look at, I look at even on my street. I'm like, well, the neighbor's going to sell someday. That person's going to sell. I have 50 options just, just right here. So, you know, there's a million fish in the sea and, and I understand that. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to, to make sure I tell you guys everything, um, being a first time home buyer, right? So we have inspection costs, we have appraisals. These are the things they're going to ask. Um, couple things I remember having to send in. One thing I like about using a local bank is right there. They're right next to me. Honestly, my broker um, is an hour and a half away. Here I am 11 years into my first purchase or something like that. I've never met the guy. Uh, we honestly are best friends. I, we just became Facebook friends uh, three weeks ago, but um, I had to fax over, you know, two years worth of tax reports. Um, for I, I remember roughly about four four weeks of pay stubs, um, about a month's worth, you know. So um, any investments that I had, so 401k, uh, you know, betterments, all those types of things. I remember having to you know send in, basically prove any money that I have. They want to know, you know, basically they want to see, hey, if 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 he forecloses or something bad happens. We're gonna be able to get some kind of money somewhere somehow. <laughs> so, or you know, and it also proves that hey, this person is a good financial, good financially sound person because they're making the right steps 
you know, they're investing. They're, they're not just living off of, you know, this three and a half percent down. That's all they have in their bank account. And they're going to be broke right after this. So, um, you know, the more proof that you give to a bank that you're a person that they can loan to the better. Um, say, and, you know, so I want to go back to funding a little bit. Sorry. When you, when you talk to your loan officer is what they're called um, at the bank, right? They're going to pull your credit. At that time, they're going to tell you, hey, this is what your, you know, what your credit score is. So if you guys don't know it, um, you can always just have them pull it and say, hey, I'm going to look at a house. I kind of want this. I, I always suggest doing it, you know, three months out kind of a thing. So that way, in case you're, you're at that 7, 710 mark and you need to be at 720 for that 20, you know, 0.25% break, you can, you can, you know, open that, you know, or pay off that credit card a little bit or, or do this, right? Um, what we find so much and in, in is people, people aren't, you know, they're not checking their credit, right? So they think they're doing well, you know, they have a car loan out that they got and, you know, it's just it's sometimes it's not enough, and you're sitting at six, you know, six fifty, six sixty, because you had one off payment or something, and that could stop you from getting a house. So it's you know, know where your credit score is, try to build it, and talk to the talk to the finance person because they'll say, hey, in the next three months you'll be able to do all these things. So step by step of what you can do to get your credit to where the bank's going to loan you on the best rate. Um, you know, so, I, also they're going to sorry, they're going to tell you, they're going to tell you when you get there, right? Like, Hey, you're, you're, you're in, let's, it's called putting it under contract. You put your house under contract. You have this purchase agreement that says, Hey, I'm going to buy this house. Um, most banks will tell you, look, and all banks should tell you at this point, you, you think, Hey, all right, I know I'm going to spend seven, $800 a month on this house or whatever it is. I can afford $500 for a truck payment. And so people go out and buy, you know, that truck or they go out and finance the furniture for their house, you know, because they're like, oh, we're going to get this house. And they're so excited. Well, that credit just literally took that hit. And they said, oh, man, you, your debt to income ratio just went to crap because you bought all the stuff for your house. And now, it, in theory, it doesn't show that you can afford it. Right. I mean, you and most financially smart people in their head think, oh, I can afford this all day. But again, you got to prove to the bank that you can afford this thing. And, and going out and doing big spending like that is, is going to get you denied really quickly. So Nick brings up some good points here. I'm going to peel back a little bit, you know, financially and, and kind of lay it out for people here. So Caitlin was looking for a house, you know, and she started looking about a year ago in the winter. And then this past winter, she found one she wanted to put an offer in on. So my loan officer I'm going through is actually the dad of my realtor. So I call up Randy and I'm like, all right, Randy, what do you need? And of course, just like Nick mentioned, they need my last two pay stubs because I'm paid bi-weekly. They need Caitlin's last two pay stubs. They need the last two years of tax returns. They need all of our investment information, our checking account and savings account information, uh, all of our investments. I mean, everything. They, they wanted all of this information so they could figure out if we were worthy. And when you look at my credit, because I'm leveraged so many places, I have a loan on my house. I'm a secondary on my mother's house, which is actually being used to leverage a land contract on a place that my aunt used to have. So I have two home loans. I have three car loans. 
So when they went to approve us for a loan, we weren't getting the absolute best rate that we could have. We were paying 0.25 to 0.5 higher than that. And when I questioned Randy on it, his answer to me was, that's your debt to income. Your debt to income's too high. And I said, okay, well, I understand that. You know, it's still, it's affordable. So, you know, we can handle it. It's not a big deal. But you have to look at those things, you know, when you're going to buy a house. And, and Nick knows this as well as everyone because of how many rental properties he has. So he knows he's on X number of loans. Can he afford to do this? And, and of course, Nick, because he's been doing it for so long, he knows how to play the game and, and the ins and outs, outs of everything he's trying to do. But, you know, if, if you're a first time home buyer, don't open up a new credit card, you know, don't, don't max it out. You know, have your credit, know what that score is, know how to improve that score. Don't make, you know, impulse purchases that might affect that in any way, shape or form. We talked to, couple episodes ago during the uh, good and bad habits one about, you know, did we all have an idea of what our credit score was? And everybody's like, yeah, I, I know the range because it changes on a daily basis. But, you know, I looked at mine today. I think the last time, you know, we discussed it, I was around 725. I'm at 807 today. So, you know. Yeah. Well, say, and, you know, you brought up a good point. You know, it reminded me of it was fun to it was fun to me, and it, it, it bugged me so much uh, when you talk about your um, your bank accounts that you're gonna have to send in, right? So my wife and I had just gotten married, right? We got money for our wedding, and so we made deposits. The bank's like, "Oh, I need to see where this money came from." I said, "It's a wedding," you know, and they're like, "Well, we need to see that it came out of people's account." And I said. I was willing to walk away from buying a house because they wanted me to talk to, you know, my aunt, my, my grandparents, my, you know, everybody for, you know, a couple hundred bucks just to prove where this money came from. And I'm like, I'm not going to go have people show me their bank accounts. And, um, you know, we, we, I think we got a, a $500 gift or whatever from somebody. And so I had to, I had to literally, that was the only one I was willing to go prove. And they blacked out everything except for this. We had to turn that in, but they will dig into everything. Honestly, um, you know, if you go buy a, uh, if you if you spend, let's say you're again, when we talk about furniture, a TV, right? I mean, honestly, anything over a normal amount of money that you spend, they're going to red flag and they're going to want to know what you purchased, why you purchased it, how you purchased it, you know, and and things like that. So. Um, I remember on one down payment, I sold a car and I had to, I had to have the bill of sale and proof of like, Oh, Hey, I got this as an income. You know, to say I, I made a, a $1,500 deposit and they're like, where'd it come from? And I'm like, I sold a car because I needed a down payment. You know, it's just, they will look into everything, man. Um, but have patience and, and understand um, the, the normal time from when you actually find your house to what I call closing um, so when you, when you officially own the house, not move in, cause sometimes you can do 30 days or 15 days after closing for moving. Um, I want to say is about six weeks in total. Um, that's a good estimate, right? So you find it, you fund and, and time to fund it and actually close is about six weeks. Um, let's say it's, it's, uh, it's a really, 
it's a really great thing. I mean, it's not for everybody, right? I want people to understand that if you, if you live in, let's call it New York or, you know, California, those types of things, I mean, you can rent, you can buy your, you know, your studio apartments and things like that. Um, but live in areas that you guys like, right? Find, be willing to, be willing to, to save up a bigger down payment to have the house that you want, right? Don't just rush into something because you want it right away. My suggestion always is like, if you're not finding what you're, what you want, see if your living situation that you have is really that bad right now that you can't save up an extra year for your dream things. And you say that this house is a dream, but by the time you get into it, I'm letting you know that, you know, X amount of years in, you're going to complain about it, right? You're going to, oh, there's not enough covered space. We just bought a new kitchen mixer and there's not enough counter space. Our refrigerator isn't as wide as we want it to be. There's always something in your house that you're always going to complain about. Um, so nothing's perfect. So um, realize that waiting for that next perfect house is, is going to be time. Uh, TJ, do you have uh, do you have your mic on? Yeah. Hi. Hey, man. No. Um, do you have any Do you have any questions? I guess I, I hear that you're looking to buy and um, excited about it. Um, I guess not right now because I because I know I know we're doing a lot of looking right now. And yeah, it's my favorite part. <laughs> it, it's more like. I don't want to like look too much right now because we just renewed our lease like a couple months ago on our apartment. Sure. So I want to like, I want to like keep an eye out, but at the same time, just kind of like, um, keep in the background until like, you know, closer to the end of this year, beginning of next year. Can I give so, you a pro tip? Yeah, go ahead. All right, I'm going to give you a pro tip that I've never shared with many people. So anybody who's watching is going to get a real great pro tip right now. All right. So people do what you're doing all the time. And as an investor, so I'm a landlord, um, but it, it bugs me because, you know, you guys wait until three, two months out and then you, you hope that it closes and then something falls through or something doesn't happen. Then you always get stuck into buying, you're going into that lease again because you feel like that's your option, right? Like, like, dang it, I, I hate this. So here's the pro tip. Okay. Start looking right now. Find the house that you want, and then what you're going to do is say, hey, in closing, I want the seller of the house that I'm buying to pay my, my buyout cost on my lease. Okay. So, right, your lease, your lease, I mean, because I know I have, I have a buyout cost, right? And it's, it's, for the first six months, it's, what, two or two or three times amount of rent or something like that. So, you know, if you're paying 700 or 1000 right now, it'll cost you two grand or whatever to, to get out of your lease. Well, if these people want to sell their house that bad, you just tell them, Hey, we're going to buy your house, but you have to pay the penalty to close to, to, to buy my lease out. So you guys get it for scot free that you closed on your lease. You don't have any eviction. You don't have any issues with back rent and it's all logged in this thing. So that way the, the people know that you've paid your rent on time. You've done all the good stuff. So, um, it's, it's, it works. I'm telling you, cause you know, people that, so there's so much that works about it. One, the people know that you're being serious that you're buying from, they know that you're a person who's going to close, you know, that's going to close this because you're looking to actually move out. Um, you're not doing it cause you have to. Um, and like, I know I've passed 
I'm, I'm not like everybody else. I, I'm really not. I'm, um, I, I once looked at an investment house and there was a, a family that walked in um, right after me. And it was, it was honestly only shown to like three people. And I told the guy who was selling it, I said, I don't want to buy it. I, I don't want to stop a person from having a, a roof over their head for their family. I, it was a really inexpensive area and stuff like that. So um, that's not going to happen. But like, I know that if I see a family going into buy something, I don't need to flip it just to make money. Um, my, my dreams are elsewhere and I, I'd rather help people that way. But really pro tip, pro tip and a half, man. Like if you, if you're willing to take that risk and, and tell them that you, that you need the, the cancellation fee um, of your lease in, in closing. So basically what's going to happen is you'll go to the closing table, right? So here's, you know, just for fun numbers, I don't, I don't know what they're going to be. Let's say you're going to put $10,000 down. Um, that includes all your, your, um, your title fees, your state transfer tax, um, man, you know, your realtor fee, your buyers don't have realtor fees, but the other side does. Right. But it's going to cover all that. And then, so let's say it's 10 grand, right? Well, you're going to, you're going to give that the, the 10 grand down. The title company is going to hand the, the seller, the other, I don't care. Let's call it a hundred thousand. They're going to hand them the other hundred thousand dollars. Um, so the, the seller has their hundred and something thousand, but the seller is going to bring a check for two grand with your name on it. And it's, it's intended for, Hey, here's my buyout. So then you, you give your landlord that buyout fee and you say, here, my lease is officially done and uh, it'll work out that way for you. So you'll, you'll, you'll have your money instantly. You don't have to worry about saving up for it and covering it. Okay. So once, once you have that closing date, you'll be like, yep, this is what I want. This is how it's going to go. So, but right, yeah, I, find, I find way too often people wait, like, right. I mean, do you, did you, were you looking at a house before you signed this lease again? Yeah, kind of, sort of. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've, been like, on, we've been looking on enough for a while. And it seems like every time you're like, oh, I can't find what I want. And then you're like, oh, we should resign. Oh, we should resign. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, I never get mad at my tenants for buying a house. It's frustrating sometimes because it's like ha happens random. But as long as you, as long as you pay your, your early termination fee, I can't complain, right? You've, you've given me a month or two months to find somebody to place them in there. You've paid for it, but you, technically on this case, you're not paying for it, right? The, the seller, the seller would pay that just so you move into the house. So um, I really, I hope that that little section goes viral forever because <laughs> that pro tip is worth millions, man. So any other questions? Uh, so I guess who will be like the first person to talk to, should talk to a realtor first or should I talk to like, um, I have a, I have a friend who, uh, works, works as a mortgage officer for a credit union and he recommended on um, talking to a mortgage broker. Um, right, so. I, go ahead, David. I think, I think there are, you know, you, you need to figure out what way you want to look at it okay and I, I think nick will agree with me to some extent here you can either look at it in i want to find what i'm looking for in a house or you need to look at i need to know how much of a house i can afford okay i'm always of the i need to know what i can afford so i would always talk to a mortgage broker before i would talk to a realtor because i need some idea okay. of 
of what am I looking for. With Caitlin, we kind of went the opposite way because I knew, I already knew what she could afford. I didn't need to say, okay, what are we looking at here? So when we sat down with Scotty, I said, okay, Scotty, this is what we can afford. Find me something in this range. And Nick, thoughts? Um, I absolutely agree, right? I, I get so frustrated when, when realtors won't talk to people because they're not pre-approved. And I get it because it's a hot market. But like, I also get frustrated when people aren't pre-approved and then they throw in an offer to buy my place and then it like falls through, right? So um, it's very situational to me. Um, TJ, do you live in Michigan, Grand Rapids area? I live in uh, East East Michigan. Yeah, okay. So um, I don't know that market too well. But so what I would say is I, I, I I would see how much money. Okay, if you don't know of a house specifically that you want, right? If you don't know, hey, this is exactly what I want, I, I vote go, go find how much money you can get. And then, then, you're real, then go get the realtor and say, hey, this is how much we want to spend. Not how much we can spend, how much we want to, because banks will loan you up to like 60% of your, you know, your value type of a thing. So, um, but go, yeah, go get your, your buddy. If you, it depends on, you know, if, if, if he's a friend of yours and he can get you a really good deal or something, if you're comfortable with sharing your finances with this friend, that's awesome. Have him have him pull your your credit and tell you how much you guys can get, um, and then start looking at houses. And you know, honestly, once you pull your credit and, and you get your it's called pre approval, right? They'll they'll just tell you, hey, this is how much. If 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 everything stays the same for six months, you keep the same job, you you right that your whole life doesn't change. You don't go finance cars and vehicles. Um, they'll say, hey, basically, this is good for you know, roughly six months type of a thing. So you'll know, Hey, I can go, I can go search for houses for this price range, this amount of time. And, uh, and then you'll have at least a number that you know what you can spend. And then okay. you tell your realtor, you tell your realtor, Hey, this is, this is how much we want to spend. I only want to see houses in this price range. And, and you'll see, honestly, like I, I, I know there's people that are like, uh, all, everything in my price range is just horrible. And that'll tell you, Hey, I got to start saving up more money. So that way my price range can go up. I mean, it, it's just, so yeah, I, I vote, I vote figure out if you can get approved first and how much you can get approved for and then, and then start shopping. So, well, I, I think budgeting, you know, TJ, I, Nick and I talk about budgeting a lot. Write down your budget, figure out what you guys are paying right now. If that's comfortable where you guys are at, you'll know, okay, well, this is an area that I want to stay in for a payment. If you decide, okay, well, really, we're paying, you know, 5% more than what we would like to pay. Now you, you have some areas to, to figure out exactly where you want to be. Because ju- just because you go out and get pre-approved for, let's say, a $150,000 house, do you need a $150,000 house? Is that what you're looking for? Uh, you really need to, you need to figure out what do I want? What do I need? And what can I afford? And those things all kind of go hand in hand together. Uh, Nick, there was something I wanted to hit in on before. Me too. Before uh, I let TJ or Danny ask any new questions. Pretty kitty, by the way. Yeah. Um, so let's say, Nick, you need to come up with the money for a down payment. Yeah. 
how would you go about this? Because I know I have some ideas. What, what would you do? So you're looking at it, let's say, you know, let's say you don't have the money readily available in your savings right now. How, how would you come up with it? Okay, so we're gonna go back to, we're gonna go back to types of loans. Um, yours are my favorite, right? FHA, low percentage down. Um, the really awesome thing with FHA is uh, you can get what's called gifted money. So, you know, let's say right now you have, you have no money in your account. You found a house for a hundred thousand. So you're going to need $3,500 for a down payment. Well, I can go out to my good buddy, David and say, Hey David, I need $3,500 for a down payment of a house. I need you to gift it to me. So you write me a letter that says I, I gift this money to, to Nick um, and it goes into my account. It sits, it clears and the bank says, okay. Um, if I'm going to do a conventional mortgage and I need uh, 10 to 20% down and I have, right, let's say I need $3,500 again, or well, at this one, I'm going to need, you know, 10 grand or something on a hundred thousand. Um, I, I need that, right? So what do I do? Me being me, I literally sell everything because to me, the house was my investment and I'm going to make money. So um, I sold a car. I sold paintball guns. Um, I, <laughs> I sold everything, right? And then had to show proof of sale of all of it. So um, with conventional, you cannot get gifted any money. There can be zero money coming from family. Um, but you know, because you like to invest every dime. Um, really, like I say, I know that you can do you can do loans um, from your IRA, right? We talked about those. You can uh, you can take uh, ten thousand dollars per person. Um, that's one thing I. Go with so many things, um, but you can take ten thousand dollars per person, tax free, um, with without penalty to put down for a down payment. But I need to I need to touch base on this because it's important. Um, if you're not married, okay, if you're just dating, long term relationship doesn't matter. Um, if you're not married, the bank will only look at one income and one income. They will never look at two incomes. Okay. Um, that's a huge thing that people need to see. Um, and so it, it's because, right. They, they assume that people have a, an easy way out and they can't hold anybody else accountable. So I, I want to touch, you know, so let's say both of you have 10 K in your four or your IRA, you both can't put it down because you're, you're not both, um, you can go on the loan, but they want to prove you for the loan because your income is not legally in their eyes con combined. We're going to let your uh, internet catch up a little here, Nick. You were buffering, but we got, we got all the highlights oh, of that at least. Um, Danny, TJ, we hit on down payments now. So other questions? Anything? I don't know. It's all up to you. You're the money bags. Um, it'd be it'd be your credit score and everything. <laughs> Do you know what your credit score is, TJ? It, it's 
I think it's like just, uh, you don't you don't have to give it exactly, you know, do you just at least know the range? I think it's like around seven fifty. Okay. Mine's about six eighty right now, but I also started with no credit whatsoever when I bought my car. So it's literally been you know, I was what, twenty five, had no credit, nothing, had no credit cards, no nothing. Yeah. I had to have him co sign me for a car. Because I couldn't be accepted for it, so. Yeah, I say, don't worry. We 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 touch base on other episodes of how to build that credit and do amazing <laughs> things. You know? oh, I'm um, slowly building it. Yeah, no, <laughs> and I say, uh, you, how long ago did you buy your car? Three, three or four years ago. Yeah, three or four years ago. What's your interest rate? It was actually pretty good. Um, but I can't remember. What is sure. So, I don't remember. It was decently a decent yeah, one, apparently. So, fun uh, half pro tip number two, right? So now that your credit score is better, you start understanding what this is. Uh, go back to a bank. I mean, I don't know what you're. I don't, honestly don't know what it is, right? Decent for you guys. If it's if it's in the ten percent, if it's not in the three and a half percent right now, go back to your bank and say, hey, I want to refinance my car just for what I owe, not anymore. Just for what you owe, and that'll that'll lower your your payment. But what you're going to do is keep paying the same payment and put it towards your principal, so it'll pay it down faster. You can refinance your car, and it'll help you boost your credit because, right? You've taken out technically another loan. You're going to boost your credit, and you're going to pay that car off a heck of a lot quicker. So, um, really, so, if you don't I think we calculated out that by next June we will have my car paid off. Yeah, but. If you refinance it now, you could have it paid off by – you could buy me a Christmas present with the money that you're going to save on this bad boy. I'll, I'll wait for that in the mail. I, 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 drink, Miller <laughs> High, I drink Miller High Life. <laughs> so, um, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just now, come to that side of the state later on. Right. Um, David knows I'm usually over questions? there. Any other questions on buying a house? Um, I guess, like, I'm just kind of wondering, like, in terms of, like, budgeting, because I, I also have, like, like a lot of loans. I mean, like, I have, like, student loans, and I have, like, car payments and that. Yep. So you're, heard, you're an average American. Good job. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, would that factor much into, like, you know, how much I can spend? Yeah, you'll have – so that's what you're going to – you're going to talk to your – mortgage broker, your, um, your in the banks, like the, the home lenders, you know, um, you're going to talk to them and they'll tell you what you can do with that. Will it factor it? Yes. Right. So you have a debt to income ratio that you have to stay below. Um, you know, so you're not going to get the top amount of money. Um, everybody, everybody in America has student loans for them, you know, from what we're finding. So, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what you pay in rent or what you're looking to pay for a house, but you know, they're going to see that you're paying this, uh, you know, on a regular basis and things like that. So, uh, you know, understand, understand that, I guess if you go to the mortgage broker, they're going to tell you exactly what you can look at. If you're concerned about, Hey, I, you know, it, let's say you owe on a credit card three grand and they're going to say, Hey, if you pay off this three grand, we'll let you spend an extra 10, 10 grand on a house. 
you know, find a way to pay that thing off quicker. You know, um, they'll, they'll tell you, honestly, once they pull it, they're going to tell you everything of like, this is going to help you. This is going to hurt you. This is, you know, like pay off this because we'll be able to approve you for just a little bit more. At that point, it really becomes like a step-by-step kind of a thing. So. Okay. Well, and if you go talk to your mortgage lender, those, those are things you can find out of, you know, where is your wiggle room? What, what can you do to help your credit? Um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously always around. If you want me to start looking at some of these things with you, I'm more than happy to do that. We, we've done several episodes at this point on budgeting, budgeting for the pandemic, how to deal with debts, um, good and bad habits. So, I mean, we've, we've gone through a lot of these things. There's a lot of great tips in those if you know, you have time and want to watch some of those. Otherwise, I have a really bad Yeah, I have no problem sitting down and looking at that stuff with you guys either because there, there are a lot of options out there. And, you know, we might get to a point where, let's say you have five open loans, maybe we can roll that into something else at a better rate. And now you only have one open loan and that looks better, you know, to a lender. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, yeah, so that's huge, you know, getting things. There's so many options, honestly. Honestly, it's, it's like if you want something bad enough, you're going to do what it takes. So at this point, right, it's like the, 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 the bank will tell you, hey, look, if you want this, right, refinance your car and go to a lower interest rate because you're paying too high. And at that point, opening $50, right, in, in your free money, $50 a month is huge on a, on a house payment kind of a thing, you know. That's another, you know. 10 grand you can honestly i keep throwing out 10 grand but it's like 50 dollars equals like 10 grand of financing of finance money at 30 years right um you know and that, that could literally just be off of lowering an interest rate or you know so i don't know i don't know you know as david was saying right so let's say you have two credit cards at 12 percent or 15 or whatever the heck they are a car at eight percent and now you have good credit and you can jump it down to 5%. I mean, you've just opened up so much principal money, not even just interest, but principal money, man, you can, you can score. So my biggest suggestion is, is definitely reach out to, uh, to your buddy who's a, a home, home lender, home mortgage lender and have him pull it and go from there for sure. Well, one of those things Nick and I are always big on is shopping stuff. It, it doesn't matter whether you're shopping alone or whether you're shopping car insurance or, you know, shopping for the best deal on whatever beverage you're drinking that week. We're always looking for deals. So, yes, Miller High Life, I know. The champagne of beers. <laughs> and, it's an, and it's an expensive. I got it on sale. David's wife bought it for me. Uh, it, it, this is a 2018. And uh, it was marked clearance for like $2. So I'm drinking a skunked beer because I enjoy. <laughs> I will say um, we, did, we did an episode, what, two weeks ago, Nick, and you had Bud Light. And then the next day, Don and I came over and you drank the warm Bud Light that was still outside. Factual statement. Yes, yeah. that did happen. Yeah, I, I don't care what, what temperature my beer is. Um, so I do want to... I want to, since we have this, keep going. I want to talk about, you brought up insurance, David. Yeah. Um, right. So when you go to buy a house, I run into it so many times where I buy older people's houses that have lived there for a long time. Okay. So, 
and they paid back in 1940, right? They paid uh, $20,000 for their house. Well, taxes, taxes on their $20,000 was, you know, $400 a year, let's call it, right? Or six, let's call it $600 a year so we can, we can do $50 a month in escrow. Um, you guys will hear that you guys, you know, TJ, you guys know escrow is, um, and then their, their insurance on their place, right. Has, has probably gone up now because insurance is always prison, but with your taxes, it can only go up. Like I want to say 3% a year based, you know, based off the original value. Now the issue is, is when you go to buy a house, it can get retaxed. So when you let's say let's say they paid twenty thousand, now you come and buy it for a hundred thousand dollars. Well, you're going to get the new tax rate at a hundred thousand dollars. So instead of six hundred dollars a year in taxes, you're looking at twenty four hundred dollars a year in taxes, right? So that's two hundred dollars a month compared to the fifty dollars a month, making your mortgage payment you know that much higher. It's going to look great for the first. Uh, depends on like I say. I know our taxes here come out. Oh, I want to say July and. Uh, February-ish. Um, so let's say you buy a house just after July, the taxes have already been paid. You, your mortgage payment is going to stay really low until next year when it hits. The, the, the new tax rate, well, your, your, your house payment is going to go up, you know, 180 bucks and you're going to get really, really mad because you're like, I wasn't budgeting that amount of money. So I want everybody to know that like, have your, have your lender when, whenever they're going to run money on payments, have them run it off of every, every county website can come up with their tax rate, have them run taxes off of the new tax rate. And that, and, and then also call your insurance company. So do you guys have renters insurance? If so, right. Go, Hey, we have renters insurance with you. We want to look at, we're looking at this specific house, give them the address. They'll ask you a couple of questions, right? Like, square footage does it have granite yes no like you know they'll ask you random things and they'll give you a rough quote a very you know honestly they'll actually give you a quote they, they, they'll call it a rough quote until you actually buy the place and then then you'll you'll send that information to your lender as well so now you have your new taxes you have your new uh insurance rate you have your principal and interest uh, payment amount so you'll know exactly what the highest amount of money you'll pay for that full year will be and then next year if your house appreciates it'll go up you know one one and a half percent or whatever so every year it'll go up you know 20 bucks or something but you know right now these people are paying you know i i know a house that we just bought they paid eleven thousand dollars their mortgage payment was like 230 bucks i mean this thing was so cheap for 30 years um and you know, I go to buy it for 120 and I'm going to have, you know, a, a, an $800 payment just in two seconds. So because of my taxes, you know, their, their taxes were 12 bucks. So it, it's just a, a, a quick tip to remind you, always ask your lenders to run it off of uh, a purchase price uh, tax assessment. Well, I want to touch on escrow for a minute because Nick brought it up. So most of the houses you buy nowadays, if you buy an FHA, you're going to have an escrow account. Many conventional loans want it as well because the bank wants to protect their investment. 
So what escrow does is it pays your insurance and your taxes every year. So they factor that into your actual house payment every month. That way there's money there to cover it. So I hate escrow because ever since my loan has been with Fifth Third, because I refinanced it after we originally bought this, they will send me a refund check for my escrow because I overpaid for the year. And then they'll tell me my new payment, which is $50 more a month than my old payment. Well, what the hell did you give me a refund for? So then I have to go and say, no, put this back in my escrow, refigure out my payment and stop jerking me around because I hate that crap. Yeah. Your, fir your first year is, is a pain. I'll, I'll be honest. I, mine did the same thing. I think I got a pretty hefty check my first year. It was like, I don't know, 1300 bucks or something. And like, we blew that money real quick. And then all of a sudden my new payment comes in and it jumped, you know, like a hundred and something bucks. And I was like, I was so mad. I was like, you know, but you can, you can prepay that difference. So if I would have kept the check and paid it. I would have been fine, but yep. I, I didn't. And that's what, you know, my negative was. So, um, yeah, let's say, as David said, escrow is literally just another insurance for the bank to make sure that you have insurance, right? In case your house catches fire, in case uh, there's a tornado that blows the whole thing down, you have insurance to cover the cost for them to to rebuild. Because if they have a piece of land, that's worth 20 grand. If they have a piece of land with a house on it, that's worth 100 grand. So um, they're, they're making sure that you have insurance. Taxes, right? Everybody owes the, the city and the state money to own a piece of land uh, actual dirt and so that money is outrageous but it goes to good causes sometimes right paying paying people to, to do their job and cost me a lot of money uh, so we're running about an hour and 15 here TJ Danny did you have any additional questions no I think we're good at this point awesome if you guys uh, if you guys ever have any questions about housing or anything like that reach out to me um, I'm, I'm always willing to talk housing. I love it. It's, it's my favorite. Um, I, I want to, I, I know we're going to talk about investing in real estate here in the next few episodes sometime soon. Um, I always tell everybody, make sure your first house is, you know, at least a duplex or a four unit. <laughs> so, but I wanted to keep this about people that didn't want to invest in, uh, I hope that we answered most of your guys' questions. Uh, again, uh, thank you, Miller High Life, Champagne of Beers. Uh, when you guys sponsor us, uh, make sure you send me a case, David a case. Um, like we started out the episode, like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, because uh, this is fun for us. We hope it's fun for you guys, too. All right, you two hang out for a minute. Don't go anywhere. It's It's been great talking to you guys again. Nick and I will figure out what we're talking about next week. Uh, if you have, like you said, if you have any questions, please let us know because we want to answer those questions. So uh, till a week from now, we'll talk to you later.